Welcome to Across the Pond. My name's Chris Lawson and I'm joined Across the Pond by Samuel Moni. How are you, Sam? Hey, Chris. I'm doing really well. I really do think we're, we're building some strong momentum on, on this season. So I always come in excited and energized and um, entrepreneurial and other words beginning with E. And I feel the same way today. Good. Excellent. I'm very pleased about that. And this episode, we've titled People Powered Marketing. And it's about creating a diversity of ideas whilst acting with purpose and integrity as well. Uh, And last week's interview, I thought was really, really excellent, actually. It spurred our thinking on about this. And uh, we thought we'd sort of double down on a couple of those different areas, really about sort of challenging ourselves in our day-to-day thinking as well as reflecting on whether the marketing industry is changing. Uh, One of the earlier interviews we had with Yin said that actually she believed that people are the differentiator Mm -hmm. in marketing um, and and in business as a whole. And I thought that that resonated with us. And listening to Adrian and Amanda last week, again, it, it came out loud and true. And if people are the differentiator, and surely we should be celebrating uniqueness and diversity, What we want to really look at is how you make that a day-to-day impact. It was really encapsulated in in Amanda Phone, uh, one of our guests who who I met a long time ago. Mm-hmm. She set up F1 Recruitment, focused on the marketing and communication sectors, and the and the values and her approach really run through the whole of the agency. But I think if that wasn't enough, she also set up an industry-recognized initiative called BAME 2020, aimed at improving representation of underrepresented minorities across the marketing mm-hmm. sector. Uh, and, you know, I met her, and uh, I'm very proud that I was appointed an ambassador to that organization. And uh, she set that organization up alongside our second guest, didn't she, Sam? Yeah, so the other co-founder of that, of BAME 2020, is Adrian Walcott. He's also the managing director of Brands with Values, which I, I just love that, a company that works with clients to unlock their culture. So it's a lot about maximizing the returns to employees, shareholders, and obviously wider society if you're doing that well. He's got a brand product and social media background. He's worked in advertising. Uh, and as a co-founder, uh, it's, it's a social enterprise, which basically, as you say, encouraging more people from diverse ethnic backgrounds into marketing, media, and communications. And what I currently love is the moniker which they use. It's No Turning Back 2020 was the the, the sort of the framing and naming of the organization. And as they as we thought about this show and, and the work that they did, there's this angle about it's do, succeeding in this space. It's often about partnerships and, and diverse partnerships. And obviously, I think we're, we're role modeling that in, as, as partnering up on, on creating this podcast, because to be honest, I don't see, I don't see many podcasts of, of hosts that look like us as a sort of as a duo that's why we, we love doing it because you know we kind of see on the outside uh, lots of the same old same old so for us it's refreshing to role model the, the change we want to see and uh, you know what the quote that adrian said in that in the episode that i really stuck st- st- you know stuck with me really is we've trodden different paths but there's a lot of alignment in our values and the things we hold dear so when it came to fostering the partnership with amanda it was a, just a natural choice because we've seen what we've seen is a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon about these issues and the fact that Amanda's been doing this for such a long time meant she was very authentic and that for me just sums up why um, those those two were just a great power partnership and really driving impactful change. 
Yeah, and and, and look, we we get onto the, the the some of the themes that came up, but but I think that authenticity is an important point. You know, we we talk about that being a, a essential sort of platform of marketing, and and Amanda was incredibly supportive of my career at an early stage, and and a real genuine desire to get to know me because I was doing things differently and uh, with no other agenda than that. So uh, yeah, she made a great impact on my career. I'm just thinking about who else who helped me. Who was a helping hand, um, or meant something? Mm-hmm. You know, early stages of my career, and I can think of one of them as my undergrad professor when I was at university. A guy called Hugh Phillips, Professor Hugh Phillips, and he was my dissertation professor, and he just inspired and supported me. He was very encouraging. Um, from the work I did. And he made me aware of a scholarship to do my master's, which was at Ulster University in, in Northern Ireland. And it was a great personal experience because this is at a time when um, the changes were happening in, in Northern Ireland. And it's a great academic experience where I was able to get my master's, right? And being black in Northern Ireland at the time was, was just an interesting experience. Despite the tensions between the Catholic and the Protestant communities, I was welcomed by both, by all sides of the community and I was made and I made friends with everyone and so living in the US is really interesting to see how um, you know how race and diversity and inclusion and the challenges faced here whereas over there it's more based on religion because essentially everyone was was white and the conflict was between two white communities so it was just as I say for me that experience was 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 a great personal experience but then the other person I can think of is a guy called Attila Janssen um, I have to, he, I always butcher his name. He's of Turkish origin, um, Turkish and German origin. And his last name is spelled C-A-N-S-U-N, but he'd always correct everyone because the C is pronounced like a J. So I think Attila Janssen. And he's now CMO of Alliance Healthcare, um, which is the Boots Walgreens Alliance for those folks across the globe. So you've got the Boots, which is a huge pharmacy brand in the UK, and Walgreens is the equivalent in the US. And I was marketing director for Braun Europe, and he called me into his office after a couple of weeks and said to me, hey, by the way, you're, pay- you're paid significantly um, less than your peers. And we know there's a gap. So in, in, there's a lot of data that shows that in, in between ethnic groups, um, just fact-based, there's, there's, le- there's a gap. So in the US, it can be the equivalent of 87 cents for, if you're black um, versus a dollar for a white man. And if you're in similar positions, it could be 98 cents in a dollar versus the full dollar versus a white guy if you're in similar roles. So there's a lot of data saying people of color, minorities are underpaid. But he just said, hey, you're paid half. And he, he showed me the numbers. And I actually, I, I was like, what? Hey, what? <laughs> you're actually not BSing this. Is simply put, I literally, it was just, just over half. And how, how the hell? But he said, look, if you work hard and deliver, I'm going to bump you up to be parity because it's the right thing to do. And lo and behold, four months later, he done what he said, and my salary doubled to be, but only just because it was to be a parity with others. And I'm thinking, wow, who's who does that for for someone? But also, who's doing that for you, and who's doing that to to address an imbalance in the system? And for me, that was just a just a, such a strong memory. And you know, interesting reflecting on that, I think Sam is is those. Those uh, early sort of mentorship roles, I think, uh, can be very, very important. You know, they can stick with you. It's interesting. I think mentoring is something we both feel has a place to play, doesn't it? 
Yeah. And, and this whole premise of mentor, sponsors, and advisors, and I, I've, I've talked about that in, in prior episodes with great passion. And Amanda in the episode talked about um, the idea of getting reverse mentored by someone that's completely different to you with a different background, different educational background, lives in a different part of the country or different parts of the city, mixes with different people, has a completely different perspective completely different diverse of thinking that that idea of reverse mentoring is so huge and um, you know for me it was just a, a great idea that triggered the fact that I've, I've experienced something um, like that similar at a previous organization at, at, when I was at Campbell Soup um, I was part of seeing and really championing how powerful it was and actually how disruptive the idea of reverse mentoring is versus other peer companies and at Campbell's, there was a great movement to listen to our um, affinity groups. So there was a, a, a multi-generational network and there was um, the, the, uh, the, the networks representing the Black and the Asian and LGBTQ communities, the Native communities, people with disabilities. So all of these um, awesome stakeholders in the company. And I know there are different schools of thought on this, but there was a huge value that you can actually gain from this structured approach of reverse mentoring mm. where senior leaders are just willing to listen to change policies and input from other stakeholders yeah, that's uh, refreshing and and yeah and so it's it's you know on the it's ongoing senior leaders were setting up focus groups and asking what they what they thought about with these groups about policies rewards culture uh, mid mid-year reviews and it's just pivoting away from decisions that are made and then rolled out, which a lot of companies do, to a more constant engagement. And it's a sign that, of change that people can actually feel. So this reverse mentoring, coming back to that, it's also known as bi-directional mentor mentoring. And the program at Campbell's evo evolved over three or four years. And it, uh, it basically creates a different culture and different rules because it allows communicating upwards as well as traditionally down, and it reinforces the values. And it's the idea and the principle that you can learn from someone junior in the organization or earlier in their career. And for me, that's inclusion right there. And so if you're not doing it already, if you haven't got a program in your organization already, realize that you're late because we saw the data years ago when I was there of the demographic shift that's happening in the workforce. And this program would actually support that shift and and, and mitigate for some of the challenges that people are facing. And there's there's so much data out there. There's, there's uh, examples of how transformation was five to six times more successful, more likely to be successful when the CEO communicated com a compelling high-level change story. And uh, and we see that, you know, that th that's so critical and, and digital leaders on the ground can, can help as well as through bottom-up education and communication. So this reverse mentoring really does become a, a mandate and a, a, re a requirement for organizations in, in the modern world. Yeah, I checked in with a good friend of mine, Joseph Charm, actually. He's a learning consultant at QA Limited. And and I met him at Freeformers, which uh, was, uh, as I talked before, quite a progressive organization uh, and an inspirational guy, just someone who, although much earlier in my career, that I knew the more time I spent with him, the more I was going to learn just by being around him, a really gifted trainer and presenter. And he reverse mentored a, a lady called Claudia Harris. Um, mm -hmm. And at the time, she was head of the careers and enterprise company, uh, so the McKinsey background before that. And, and I was talking to him and asking, you know, did, did he actually get a lot out of it? And and, and did she? And, and why did it stop? And and, it, and he thought it was a very, very good experience. And mm -hmm. uh, 
great to get some insight into what that day-to-day looks like from someone at that level whilst educating them on things that they might just not have exposure to in the rest of the company. And and I think it also helped him a lot from a sort of a validation point of view um, because during that time, he, he never really would have had exposure mm-hmm. to those senior level roles. And, and of course, you know, you get exposure to it and you think, actually, this doesn't look so hard. I can do <laughs> this type of stuff, which I think is important. So, of course, you have a pressure of where you tell yourself that um, what they're going to to learn from me and, and that's part of it, isn't it? And actually that refreshing nature of understanding that everyone has something to learn from someone else. Mm. Um so I think he he recommends it. He certainly keeps in touch and uh, thinks that it had a, a positive effect. Um, I think the interesting thing, he did say that uh, it fizzled out after a while. And, and again, this stuff isn't easy. It, no. It's hard work and you have to work hard at really embedding it rather than it just being something that is done for a, a small amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you've got to make sure that it's within the overall culture of the organization that desire to learn from wherever and whenever i think yeah and and it's the consistency as you mentioned there it's not a one and done you've actually got to put effort and resources and 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 encourage the the senior leaders to take part and give confidence to the, the more you know junior earlier career people that actually it's meaningful they're not being judged they can't say something silly that's going to get them fired and equally that the the more senior leaders actually take action from what they're hearing from their mentee and put it into practice There's nothing more powerful than you know a gray-haired senior leader saying hey i got this from you know this junior employee and this was their idea Idea. that just is so inspiring when when those stories become um, true within the organization yeah and and look you know i know this podcast is about uh, marketing transformation and and what we're talking about is the wider business here mm. but marketing is about culture it's a, it's about culture change and it's bringing in diverse ideas that's that's what we do mm. and it should be about good leadership as well and good leadership is not about telling someone Good leadership is empowering people to make the right decisions by giving them the right information. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think we, we need to hold on to that. That's that the essence of what we do as being good marketeers. And, and Adrian, I think within his company, spends a lot of time helping companies to change and affect their culture. Um, and that's really about giving them a clear understanding of where they are in the first place. And and what I really like is actually, you know, he, he tries to make sure that it's driving the organization towards their desired culture with evidence-based decision making. Mm-hmm. And and I think this was a, a really strong point that I picked out from his organization because so much of this stuff we think is intangible or can't be measured. And actually, there is a way of making this tangible. You mm-hmm. just have to work harder on it. So he, he uses a quarterly pulse data to help identify what to continue and any sort of corrective action within that and why is this all important sam i mean you know that that we need to relate it to purely commercial reasons rather than ethical reasons the the bottom line is is that 38 percent according to adobe of consumers are more likely to trust brands that do well with showing diversity in their ads Um, i mean that's a staggering figure um Mm -hmm. statistics show that within london um my hometown, 49% of the population uh, where all of the big agencies are based will be non-white by 2041. So a, a fair while off, but but that's, a, that's moving fast, which of course, again, means improving that diversity for businesses that traditionally struggle to attract and retain talent 
compared to other sectors is, is incredibly important. And yet we're still in a situation where the majority, you know, by far 90% of CEOs are, are, are white male. Yeah, and if, if we hone in a bit more on, on, on marketing, uh, there in 2021 as we're recording this, the CMO, the latest data unfortunately shows that CMO tenure is down in the US. And with that, so is ethnic diversity of CMOs, which is, you know, can be discouraging. And I know we talked about in episode 32, the CMO and CIO poised to lead. And we make the point that those two together, they can actually drive the culture changes, Mm. especially during digital transformation. And at heart, I'm an optimistic marketer. So I'm optimistic that folks will see the data to actually, um, you know, address the issues and, and, to um, to show how those two folks and those two roles can come together and ensure that there's representation there because your CMO, CIO, if they can join forces and really improve their communication, they're, they're, there's an opportunity to combine their resources because ultimately they can actually set the direction and lead the execution through the turbulent times and this new normal or never normal that we're we're talking about um, that's happening in the marketing and in, in the business world and the communications world. And so there is opportunity there, but the data right now is not is not encouraging so why should you do all this hard work well obviously there's the ethical reasons first of all uh, but there is a you know the fact that you mentioned about the disparity in pay mm-hmm. um you know a pound earned by a man a woman earns 81 pence 78 uh, percent of firms in the uk are paying men more than women um Women are much more likely to be hired via a blind application, so it shows some distortion there. Mm-hmm. While African Americans are fifty percent less likely to receive callbacks compared to white candidates. And, and yeah, you know, just adding to that, there's, there's there's data that shows that you know if you put Jose on your resume, uh, which has a t- traditionally um, Latino in the U.S. Um, an Hispanic association versus Joseph or Joe, you're less likely to be called back. And people in this the same resume, uh, the only thing you name. You changes the name and the data shows that the algorithm somehow reject Jose more than they do uh, and it's just disheartening where there's bias in the system and it's known and really there needs to be work to fix that absolutely yeah and and you know, if we come back to that that original premise how can you get diversity of ideas if you're not actually just fixing some basic stuff like that mm-hmm. but there are companies trying to change that you know uh, there was a a report by social talent which looked at some some different companies and what they were doing some good work by Johnson and Johnson I haven't read it in detail but some mastercard uh, marriott hotels coca cola uh, where there's sort of established companies that are trying to to do work. Um, and we know that companies in the top quartile for gender diversity uh, were 21% more likely to have above average profitability than companies in the fourth quartile. That, that comes from a, mm-hmm. a report in Forbes. And McKinsey have done quite a lot of work on this as well. Mm-hmm. And they show that companies with ethnically, culturally diverse boards worldwide are 43% more likely to experience higher profits, um, which I think is absolutely staggering. So overall, these these are stats that show that having a more diverse organisation can link to seeing higher profits. So so whether you are persuaded by the ethical or the commercial argument, Mm -hmm. there's an argument there for you. So you, you should just get on and do it, shouldn't you? 
Yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd think that, right? You'd think that companies would just do it. And, you know, I have to, this is a fact, this is data out there. One quick point, you mentioned Coca-Cola. They were mm. sued for discrimination in the eight, in the 1980s in the US. So uh, there was there was a, a, law, a lawsuit and they they admitted that they were biased against um, African-American black employees. And they, there was a settlement and they promised to improve diversity. Yet fast forward to 2020, they've basically gone on record now and just at least they're being open about it saying, look, the efforts haven't worked it, it, over the, that time period. The, the the data shows that the the diversity in senior roles across the organisation is back to those nineteen eighty levels, despite the lawsuit, despite all that commitment. So companies really have they're struggling to make it work and make it happen, and they need to tap into the resources and the support out there to to make the change that can stick and that can do the right thing. Because you've said, look, ultimately, it actually makes you more money doing it this way. So yeah, there's two factors there. One. Don't take things at face value. Do, do your research and try and triangulate those points. And, and secondly, let's face it, we are still in campaigning mode in a lot mm-hmm. of these aspects rather than mm-hmm. just the accepted norm. And that's why the work Adrian and Amanda do is so important and the, the rest of the uh, no turning back sort of organization, including also the ambassadors and the advisors and the, and the advocates. Uh, and, and actually no turning back, it wants to challenge the belief that marketing and communication industry is not seen as a serious career option for black Asian minority uh, and ethnic graduates and school leavers. And, and the way it tries to deliver on that is inspiring interest, showcasing the many and varied careers and, and providing those those role models. Um, and that's where the the, uh, the network comes in. There's a there's a, a, a huge number of early career plus some established sort of players that are, are really really sort of uh, inspiring to look at. And I think it is also worth pointing out again about making this real. Both Adrian at Brands with Value and Amanda at F1 Recruitment are donating to forty percent of their annual profits to that mm-hmm. initiative, awesome. which is a awesome. staggering amount. So that is leadership, and that is how to change a culture. But things do look like they're changing a bit, Sam. I mean, there's a great bit from the interview. And if you haven't listened to it, I I really encourage you to go back and have a listen. Uh, Amanda tells a great story of a young person challenging the company Mm. they were interviewing for to justify what what they were doing to make Mm -hmm. this a diverse uh, um, company to work Mm -hmm. for. And and I can pretty much stake my house on the fact that 10 years ago or even two years ago, That would be unheard of to ask such a difficult or provocative question. It would have been seen in those those days. So, so the fact that people coming through right. are thinking this is an important point just to set on my stall straight away, I, th- I think it's it's great. There's definitely momentum and there's interest, and it's about taking bold action and winning the next generation of, of talent. So, you know, Amanda and Adrian are all for that, and. Uh, we've talked about that a lot, right? And we, in episode 28, what's your personal brand? If, if you check back into that episode and have another listen, we talk a lot about building talent and culture, building people, and it's the gateway to changing culture and absolutely through people. And it's, it's about being a catalyst for doing that, creating the energy to move people out of their comfort zone. And especially when you get them to engage, 
so it's it's really important to not just try and do do things that uh, get everyone's comfortable. You you have to challenge the status quo. And I'm really inspired by one leader I've worked for, um, a guy called Bracken Darrell. He's now CEO of Logitech, but he was uh, um, the, the, the sort of president of the Braun Appliances brand when I was in Germany. He was an inspirational leader. There's a quote from him. He just said, "We, we just finished our strongest year in history," and he's talking about the last um, quarter or so in, in 2021. But um, I'm, I'm so optimistic about the future. I was thinking today, today about B corporations, and these are the corporations which you know have a stake for society as well as stake for shareholders. So it's very much about doing both. And he said, I was thinking that we want to be an E corporation, standing for equality, equity, and environment, enabling customers and employee engagement. That will surely create expansion of our value to shareholders. Love that. And I just love, I love that because the CEO, he's, he's putting it out there and he's role modeling there. And I talked about the story earlier in my career of Attila Jansen, where he used his power and his knowledge to help me find, literally financially and do the right thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, for me, for me, if you if you check out Bracken Darrell as a CEO, he's, there's a lot of content and posts he's putting out there. There's a recent one, a call to CEOs and leaders. It's time to to go all in, talking about the challenges, especially in the US, um, about you know the racial um, issues that that we're facing and how to better be role models for good and doing the right thing and championing um, in inclusion and representation. And I've been approached by a few senior leaders who recognise the lack of ethnic diversity in, in their own organizations and they want to take credible action versus this superficial saying the right things but not doing anything about it and there's a playbook oh well it's called the uh, learning and development person and they'll put you in touch with a diversity person but they just don't want to do this from the do-gooder angle they actually want to be credible in doing it and the role of allyship role of being an ally is huge and the folks such as Brack and Daryl that I've mentioned before um, at Logitech is is doing that, and it's about tapping into the the, the wealth of resources and um, support out there. We've talked about the work that Adrian and Amanda do, but there's resources, organizations, thought leaders in this space. I can think of another CEO, Chip Berg. He's a CEO of Levi Strauss, and he's been very vocal and very out there in terms about these these issues. And as a CEO, role modeling that. And you know, both Chip and both Bracken are, are white male CEOs who are role modeling um, and, and really communicating in a credible way to uh, the majority of other CEOs. And hopefully, they can step up. There's a report from the ISBA. Uh, in partnership with a company called uh, Flock Associates about how to better um, be more inclusive and, and representation. There's a forays and RGA, um, which is an agency. There's a podcast um, beyond the pledge. Uh, and again, um, about unpacking allyship. There's a bunch of HBR, Harvard Business Review articles out there. There's a McKinsey report that Chris referenced earlier. So there's a bunch of resources that are out there. We'll definitely post a blog and we'll link them to the show notes. So the, really the information is out there, the data that supports the evidence that supports why doing this well, why being more representative, why being more inclusive and in having diversity of people as well as ideas in an organization ultimately makes you more money, is right for society, is right for communities and is right for the top and bottom line. That's well said, Sam. I think in a way we could end the episode there but but look you know let's keep to our format three key takeouts and reflections 
Yes, firstly, absolutely visit the NoTurningBack2020.com website. It's packed with the resources, assets, and information on how to be an ally and how to support the cause. Secondly, there is a true, deep, and meaningful importance of role modeling by those in power. It's often the white male CEOs or white male C-suite who can absolutely use their power to change versus keeping the status quo. And thirdly, marketers, remember that you're at the forefront of culture change. So don't shirk from that and actually do embrace that reality. You can make culture change happen in your organization and in society and beyond. Well said, Sam. Well said. So next week, we're talking to Minta Dial, an extremely well-traveled, knowledgeable marketing guru. And I, I know that phrase is well overused, but I don't think it is in this case, honestly. He's been blogging and podcasting about marketing since I can remember, author of a number of good marketing books, which make sense, and we'll talk a bit more about them next week. And he eulogizes about the power of personal transformation. It's a, it's a, it's a great compliment to the series so far, Sam. Yeah, that, that episode builds again on this. It's another great show, another, another great interview. And we're really excited about bringing that to, to the audience and to you all. And so uh, without further ado, Chris, have a great week across the pond. So if you're an entrepreneur, rising star or CMO looking for new ideas, Find us at marketingtransform.com and on Spotify, Apple, Google, and all good podcast platforms.